You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Eli keeps, flips, touchdown Giants, Evan Ingram. What a start. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. Welcome to week 14 of Staying at Home. We're almost, we haven't been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but uh, our road to it is very difficult right now. Wow, is it really week 14, or did you just pull that number out of your ass? It's week 14. I had to do a report for work, and it was like, 14 weeks? Oh, my God. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. 14 weeks. An old NFL schedule before they expanded to 16. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. When it's, uh, when, it's, when it's football season, it doesn't feel like it's that long, even when your team sucks. When it's, when it's quarantine, it feels like an eternity. Well, you know, I'm thinking about you know, the beginning of all of this and you know, watching those initial press conferences every day and, you know, Everybody, those different uh, shows, like all the different musicians were playing from home, like the first time they were doing like the Zoom concerts. That seems like a long, long time ago now. Yeah. And it kind of, it was, it was cold out when this started and now, you know, I have the air conditioner going. Yeah. I mean, we've gone from St. Patrick's Day to, you know, post Memorial Day. Yeah. And and possibly 4th of July, I guess. Uh, St. You know, seems reasonable to assume that. Oh yeah, I mean, if um, you know, I record this show in Manhattan, you record it in Jersey, and today in New York is the first day of Phase One. Finally, you know, it didn't seem like much of a difference outside this morning, but you know, we're slowly turning you know the corner to normalcy. And yeah, I saw maybe. That. So what exactly? What exactly has opened? So. In New York City, you are allowed to have non-essential construction. You are allowed to um, retail is allowed to open, but curbside pickup, um, small things, uh, you know, just slowly opening. I think a lot of places in Manhattan, for those of you who listen, know a lot of places that take out and delivery already for food uh, and some bars. So you know, the difference between how it was to this is kind of small in the city. If you're out in a suburban area, it's, it's a lot different. You know, it's easier to have curbside and pick up at retail. You know, there's probably some curbside um, outside seating at restaurants. We don't have that quite here yet, but we're getting there. So, yeah, New Jersey. I, I know, like the the beach, pretty much opened at some point a couple weeks ago, and um, right yeah. before Memorial Day, the governor kind of pushed it to you're allowed to have 10 people inside for a gathering and 25 people outside or something like that. Yeah, the phase one and phase two stuff is all subjective and based upon each individual location too. So there'll be some, there's some variances to all that, but uh, you know, we're, we're slowly getting back there. I mean, slowly, but surely, you know, it's going to be a lot different world than we were in before March for a long time where things are 100% back to normal. They may never be back to the way it was before. And uh, In some ways, yeah. And that might, that might be a good thing for something, so. Yeah, I think so. Um, th- this, this isn't just us whining either. Um, 
or rejoicing for sure. This um, is the most optimistic you've heard me in a long time. So, <laughs> um, this this has direct NFL impact, obviously. Um, and today, the NFL has issued some protocols to the teams, uh, laying out some plans for players to return to the facilities. Um, I mean, a lot of these are things that we have already been told to practice, right? Like, the locker rooms are being must be reconfigured to allow players to be six feet apart. I guess I guess players. It says people, but I I think you know anybody who doesn't need the actual locker kind of doesn't really matter. Um, this is kind of interesting. So how this affects the Giants is um, in the Quest Diagnostics Center. That's where they really hold their training camp, and that's where they work out and do all that stuff. Um, but is there anything really truly preventing them from practicing at MetLife Stadium, where they have two home locker rooms? Uh, maybe they just don't want them playing on artificial turf. They want them practicing on grass. I mean, when they have to practice inside the, the Quest Diagnostic Center, that is turf. You know, for for when it rains, so that's true. But that's also the you know the alternative. That's not the ideal. Yeah, but again, also the alternative here is I don't know how they manage to because remember, teams right now don't have fifty three man rosters to reconfigure their locker room. They have ninety man ninety. Rosters. Yeah, so, yeah. So you know, I, I it may be one of those things, and and I can't imagine what's going on in MetLife Stadium right now. Probably nothing, right? I assume uh, nothing at all. I mean, nothing. There hasn't been an event in there in months, and you know they they can't have people in it. Really, I mean, for... no, normally you there would be concerts, motocross, you name it. It's it's being hosted at MetLife Stadium during the summer and the off season, which is you know a lot of the reason why uh, they don't do shit like that. I mean, for, for people who have gone to the Giants draft party, they know that the first one that was ever held was held on the field, and it was never again held on the field because the field wasn't even there. Right, right. There's a One year they were redoing the field. One year there was a, a concert coming up like right before it or after or something. I think one year, the year we drafted Eli Apple, I think, they had like a dirt bike set up on there. Right, right. I know we could go up to the stands – but you couldn't go on the field, so I, we were kind of like in the seats-ish area, and we're looking up at the scoreboards. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, all these logistics are going to have to be worked out. And you know something? You know, they may have to rough it a little bit. I mean, if they have to work out in one place and change somewhere else and bring in, you know, trailers to do it, I don't know. But it's just not – nothing is going to be normal this year, and, you know, they're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, well, I mean, so that what I just highlighted first is the most logistically troubling of all the protocols. The others include meetings being conducted virtually whenever possible, which is how do you enforce that? A and B. I'm sure they have no problem doing that most of the time. It, you know, as long as they're not doing things out on the field, who cares? I mean, most of the time, right now, rookie minicamp is already over usually, right? So this is usually just meetings and and weight room work well there's a usually an ota sometime around this time of year isn't there oh yeah that would be i think that would have already passed or would be ending right about now it's usually like a like a two-week thing right in the early june right right yeah so i mean 
And so th- this is where we, we go on here. Um, masks are going to be required except when interfering with athletic activities, right? So I would assume what that means is if you do have to have a meeting in the room, people need to wear masks. Right. You know, if, if, you're, you're actually- if, you're, if you're working out in the locker uh, – in the, in the weight room, wear a mask. If you're actually running drills or, or anything like that, not required. I mean, these guys are going to be, you know, temperature checks all the time and these different things looking for symptoms and stuff. I think we're getting a little bit on the overkill side for for this. I mean, they're going to be a lot more, uh, you know, evaluated physically and, and, and these different things. You know, I'm sure they'll be tested quite a bit. So, I mean, we don't have to go. I don't know if this is going to too much of an extreme, what they're trying to do or not. But um, I think... I think the chance of transmission will be a lot lower among that group of 90 people than the average group of 90 people that are, you know, trying to go to work now or trying well, to. Of course. I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, these these players are going to be told, like, you know, to take care of themselves, to limit their exposure. They have the money, most of them. I, I, I mean, the Giants may even help. You know, you, the NFL, the teams, the franchises might help with having them be delivered things so that they can limit their exposure to the public and thereby limit the possibility of contraction, right? Well, I mean, the question is going to happen is what happens when anybody gets it? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be... When when one player on one team gets it, how is it going to be handled? Does that player, you know, obviously immediately go into quarantine and get medical care if they do, but does that mean the entire team gets quarantined for 14 days, like away from their families and away from everybody does that mean that you know know, what happens i mean it's not going to shut the entire league down i wouldn't think like it did in basketball in march but you know if somebody in the the cornerback's room tests positive or gets sick what does that mean all the cornerbacks are or you know and the giants in a disadvantage on the field or they have potential for the giants becoming a hot spot for you know a hundred or so players coaches support staff and is it all shut down and how long is it shut down and what impact? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this is being thought out. I mean, there's a big, you know, a big rush to get everybody back to normal and back on the field. But how does this, this is not going to be a case like in the general public, like, Oh, there's a little rise again in cases, you know, and we'll, we'll monitor and see when it's this close and somebody has it. I, I don't know what the rollback is going to be. No, I mean, I have no idea. Um, but I, I think it's important to note that these protocols are for getting people back in the facility. They are a snapshot in time. They are what we're looking at at the beginning of June to get ourselves moving forward. You know, this is all kind of about everything that we've talked about, you know, I, I, as a coronavirus prevention, etc., is about stretching this out as long as possible so that hospitals aren't overwhelmed and this doesn't spread as quickly as it can spread. Um, right. So this, you know, the, the overreaction to this list of protocols that I saw overwhelming. I mean, I couldn't scroll at all through Twitter without seeing this exact thing over and over again. It's like, well, they're going to be hitting each other. I, I don't think it's an overreaction to potentially causing over, you know, the healthcare system overwhelmed. I just think it's an overreaction to the odds of that of the virus being introduced to a team and being spread around a team. I mean, if it's going to get in, it's going to get in. It's going to cause, you know, I, I, 
I don't know. I, I it just seems like when you're you're just taking that risk of having a hundred people that close together, regardless, you know, these little extra steps I don't think make much of a difference. Um I mean I guess I again I, I think like the biggest thing here in, in terms of actually um in in effectiveness are things like keeping your meetings virtual whenever possible. I mean, obviously yeah. the less time you spend around people, you know, the, the less chance of exposure there is the six feet apart. You know, you're probably right. Probably doesn't do a whole lot when you have a, a large group of guys in a room. I don't think it's going to end up mattering too much, especially with like air, air, fil- air filtration, etc. It's really just taking breaths of air and spreading it out anyway. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. If this wasn't the NFL and a very popular sport with a huge amount of attention and so much money involved, what industry would this be in for like phase one, two or three for everything else? I mean, in New York City, we're at phase one and we still can't sit outside in front of a a restaurant. And they're telling me that, you know, these guys in close contact will have physical contact with each other. And that's a safer environment than what we're doing. I mean, so, I mean, there is, there's an acknowledged risk that they are, this is riskier behavior, which is not the norm for how everything is getting rolled back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. How are you feeling about the season starting on time today? Well, I think, you know, I think we know more now than we did back in, you know, a month and a half ago when I was giving gloom and doom, I think, uh, I think we're seeing how, you know, German soccer and Korean baseball, you know, they've been able to execute it. I mean, they're playing in empty stadiums and, you know, and they are playing games. Um, you know, they're traveling, they're doing what they, what they have to. Now, the NBA and the NHL are still planning to move forward, like, to complete seasons. But as of this moment, they haven't started yet. And that's not even talking about the conditions on the ground. You know, what's it going to be like, you know, when we get to August, let's say, for when preseason is supposed to start? You know, are we going to see numbers rising? You know, maybe not rising to the level of shutting things down again, but if things are on the uptrend and, again, we have no cases of anybody on any of the 32 teams at this point getting it, but where if that happens? So I want to say I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that, we will start on time and in home stadiums. I still think it's very, 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 very unlikely there'll be fans, at least in September. I think we'll, it'll be a, let's see how it goes, wait and see throughout the season. If you know, any fans get in, I don't think we'll have 80,000 at MetLife Stadium at all this year. But the possibility of, you know, 15, 20,000, it sounds... It sounds on paper a lot easier than it is probably to execute, like just getting people in and out and making sure that lines are small. But that's right now I'm feeling cautiously optimistic that we will see football in the fall from the NFL. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, is there any way that they're midway through the season, you think, going to allow? I mean, not from a a standpoint that looks like, well, governments kind of allow gatherings that large, but like, is it even fair to midway through the season or, or sorry, midway through the season having certain cities like say Kansas has no government restriction 
for you know whatever it is ninety thousand people at at Arrowhead, but the restriction is still strong in New Jersey, so we can't have crowds. You think the NFL allows that? Why not? Right? No, no. Really? I think I think the league will be uniform because I think they were trying to. I mean, they would they would be leaving money on the table by doing that. But I definitely think that uh, you know if it's if you can't do it in one place, you're not going to be able to do it in another place. I, 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 I firmly believe that. I mean, that's, that is way too much of a, uh, and also an increased risk too. They're trying to minimize risk. And just because, you know, this will not be as a political decision based upon what conditions are. This is going to be a league wide uniform standard decision, I think. And they will err on the side of caution. Yeah. All right. I, I I too think that we are currently looking at an on time start for the yeah, I mean, season. The other thing to consider also is if you decide, let's say Kansas City can have crowds and the Giants can't, that is huge revenue swings and differences too that are not fair. And you know, for cash flow purposes and how does that what does that do for the salary cap next year and you know, all these different things. So I just you know I think it's all going to be uniform what the decisions are or whether fans are allowed. You know, if they decide to increase it during the season, it'll be, you know, as long as everybody can do it, they will all do it at the same time. So we are still awaiting, um, you know, training camp things to open up. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I think that, I think that that's going to open up on time. You know, I, I think the the likelihood of them being any open training camps around the league is is not going to happen. That's zero, absolutely not. That's a but zero again, shot. Yeah. Again, you know, we're, we're looking to what uh, you know what's happened overseas. You know, they're playing soccer in Germany. They had to have a solid little camp to get back into shape and stuff. I mean, in baseball, there are organized workouts now at facilities, so they are getting together. Now it's it's different dynamics for football than these other sports, so the, the physicality and stuff. But um, I think if you control it and you kind of limit the exposure they have to other outside things like family and friends and the outside public, I you know I, I think they will. I mean, it may not be the full blown that we've seen in previous years, but you know they'll get these teams ready to go. So that's kind of our our uh, coronavirus update. Uh, the only other thing that was mentioned as a protocol is that um, helmets and shoulder pads, etc., must be disinfected after each practice game, etc. Well, sh- shouldn't they be anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> why are we waiting to a, a pandemic for something like that? Yeah, and that, and that speaks to what you were saying about things being changed for you know forever. You know, kind of, this this kind of made all of us look at things with open eyes. Sure. Uh, for the first time, probably. So now we are going to continue our, our fun little summertime, uh, way too early look at the regular season. Last week we did weeks one and two, where both the Cranky Fan and I have the Giants at a one and one record with the with the same the same wins and losses, right? So we have the, the loss week one to the Steelers and then the win uh, against the Bears week two. Right, and just as a reminder to everybody, we are doing this with the assumption that the season goes on as scheduled, and we are also assuming there are nobody in the seats. So just as a you know, standard baseline for that. Right. We, we can only 
we can only predict based on what the current projection is, and uh, we've heard no other proposals to the schedule other than the schedule. So right. That's just how we're right. going to go. Um, but yes. that puts us back now at MetLife Stadium for a 1 o'clock matchup, week three against the San Francisco 49ers. Oh. Yeah, so this, this has special battle. meaning for Cranky Fan. Yes, SF Mad out there who doesn't listen to this show. I don't blame what her. Great support. What great support from the wife. Uh, big 49er fan, so it's a major event at, at Cranky Fan Worldwide Headquarters. So, um, yeah, 1 o'clock on week three. The defending NFC champs roll into town. Um, what do you think, Grump? You know, this is one that I actually flipped my pick. Um, I had written it down, and then I really sat down, and I started going through, oh, well, you know, there's this and that and the other thing. And then I was like, actually, no. So I, 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 when I really look at San Francisco doesn't have too much to brag about at the wide receiver position. Um, obviously, we know, you know there, was, there was a whole lot of discussion about it going into the Super Bowl that, you know, well, their quarterback is, is steady. He's okay. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. Their O-line is really good. Their running back group is really talented. They're a good running team, and they have a great tight end. Um, they're talented enough to push, you know, past the Giants, even though they have an improved, in my opinion, and, and a very strong run defense, it, it appears, Um so, you know, when when we look at what the Giants' defense strengths and weaknesses are, I think that their strength is the run game, and I think their weakness is the secondary. Um, I, I think that they'll probably have some trouble with George Kittle, but, you know, I don't look at George Kittle as this other world tight end. He's just very good. And it, it, when I look at the rest of the receiving options that the San Francisco 49ers have, there's, there's really not anything that super-duper concerns me. They can at this point, kind of zero in on the running backs and tight ends in coverage. Um, And then really just put strength against strength. So by no means do I think that this is going to be an easy game. But I do think that, you know, the Giants do have a chance to hang with the NFC champs. I mean, if they control the, the, the pass rush that San Francisco has, that they've juiced up with Javon Kinlaw, who I was very high on in this draft, um... You know they can, if if they can just control that enough, um, I think that they can really score points here because you know even when you look at the linebackers and the DBs for San Francisco, they're not, you know, just overflowing with Pro Bowl talent. Um, you know this is one of those games where I expect Evan Ingram to really be focused on and, and you know finding ways to get deep. Uh, it's just going to require protection for Jones. And, I mean, that's probably going to be a theme throughout this year. But, you know, looking at the Niners now, I, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really overly excited about them making a second shot at the Super Bowl this year. So I have this, actually, as a surprise win in pencil. Oh, see, I have this as a loss in pen. I think... uh I think reports of the 49ers' demise, they've been shit on quite a bit this offseason as, I don't know, people, in hindsight, a little bit of, it was a little fluky what they did last year, and I don't see that at all. I mean, I don't I mean, think, I think that. I don't think what they did last yeah. year was fluky. Right, right. And, you know, I think that 
people were a little overly critical of Garoppolo, I think. I mean, Garoppolo was not, you know, he was not Trent Dilfer, who they had to work around as a quarterback. I mean, he was solid last year. He wasn't spectacular. But, you know, I think, you know, another year, in, again, this is a wacky offseason, so you're not going to get the full coaching that you, you know, would have had before. But, you know, I, I think another year playing in the system, you know, I think, you know, that might be one of the better coaching staffs in the league, um, a, a solid defense. And I think George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league. And until I've seen otherwise in the last 20 years, I'd like to see the Giants be able to handle, you know, a tight end. So, I, you know, he could potentially run, you know, run havoc with us again, you know, from the tight end spot. So I... Again, we're not ready for prime time to say, you know, we're going to compete with a team like this and enough to predict that we would win. And uh, I think we, we fall to one and two with this is a loss in pen. Yeah, I, I mean, everything you said about San Francisco, I, I don't agree with uh, in terms of what <laughs> not, not, not what you said, what what you mentioned about other people criticizing them for, you know, Garoppolo not being very good. Um, etc. I, I think that's all nonsense. I think they're they're a good. I think Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Not great, but he's good. Um, I think sure. their O line is great. I think their running backs are good. But when you really, really look at this team, I, I don't see a lot in their back seven that scares me on defense. You know, I don't see a whole lot at the wide receiver position that scares me. And it just so happens that their weaknesses line up with ours, and their strength lines up with ours. So I, I think. I do think that this is going to be a close game. I don't think that this is going to be a, a blowout, to be honest with you. Again, this is all very weird. Um, I have no idea how much practice we're even going to get with our new defense and our new coaches. So, Yeah, I didn't say – let's not equate loss or win in pen with blowout. Right. I, you know, that's, that's just our confidence level. Yeah, I mean we could lose a game like this you know, 24-17. And, you know, I'm pretty confident something like that will happen. That, to me, is a loss in pen, but that is certainly not a blowout. That's certainly, you know, even if we lose by, let's say, 15 because they score, you know, a late touchdown in the fourth quarter to put it out of reach, the final score might say one thing, but that's certainly not a blowout. But my confidence that San Francisco will win that game is definitely high, so. Yeah. I'm, uh, I don't know. Something about this game doesn't, this feels like a weird year to me. This feels like... Oh, in, really? <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously. But the um, I, I think the results are going to be shocking. And I think that this is going to be one of those games where nobody's going to predict this to be a win. And it's going to be uh, much closer. And I think I think the Giants might eke one out there. I'm see, you have... Like a, 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 a three-point win here. See, I love optimistic Grump. You know, I, I think we are one year away from... And I guess maybe I wouldn't cons- – I don't think there's going to be a shocking win season followed by we're pretty good season. I think this is still going to be a year where we take lumps, we see some improvement, but then all of a sudden we go into – well, we weren't shocked by this. Like if we do this same exercise, you know, in the beginning of June of 2021, you're going to see a lot less losses in pen. And you're going to see a lot more things written in pencil and maybe even tilted towards the win in pencil. But again, there's so many obstacles for this team this year. And, you know, the talent level on this team has is better than it was last year. It's not significantly where 
I can say with any confidence, we're going to go in and beat the team that, you know, for the most part is the same team that was a couple of minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. Not yet. Not on blind faith. Moving into week four, the Giants fly out to the West Coast where all, they will play in L.A. Um, against the Rams. 4 5 um, How do we feel about the Rams? Same way as you do the 49ers, you think? Yeah, I mean, well, let's straight up. Would you rather have Garoppolo or Goff as your quarterback? I would rather have Garoppolo, personally. I, I agree with you. I... Um... I, I don't I, I, love either choice in that scenario, but I am, I've never been very high on Jerry Goff, Jerry Goff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a bigger investment, Jerry Goff, you know, both at the draft pick and then with the contract that was signed. Uh, he's, you know what he's like? He's kind of like Phil Simms level of, you know, talent and just production. You know, he's good, better you know, maybe slightly better than 15th best in the league, but he's certainly not in the top 10, and he's never going to wow anybody. He's had some success, uh, but he's not going to beat you on his own. And, like, Phil Simms would never beat you on his own. And Phil Simms obviously had a longer, you know, much longer body of record where, you know, more uh, results and a a track record for it. But Goff is, you know... I think that one year when it was the second year, I think, in the Rams were, you know, pretty damn exciting and everybody was, you know, going crazy over the coach and stuff and thinking this was set up for a decade, you know, too fast, too soon, especially for a quarterback that not quite was up to the level of everybody else. Right. And it seemed with, to you know, sense. Yeah. You know, Todd Gurley, you know, continued injuries or stuff that really hurts and, you know, out coaching somebody only lasts for so long. This league is very smart and people catch up really quickly to what you're doing. So uh, that might be part of a little bit of the issue too. Now this year is different because they're playing, they're no longer at the Coliseum on grass. They're playing at their new uh, stadium in Inglewood, artificial turf. This might be a faster team. Uh, who knows what type of crowd they will have coming into the new place. No. You know, just because just because it's a well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah. So I was going with, you know, normal home field advantage in a dome with, you know, very loud with a crowd, but we don't know what LA is like. But thanks for reminding me that we're in a worldwide pandemic and there'll be nobody in the stands. So um, you know, while there is no home field advantage for crowd, as you mentioned, the Giants are traveling two thousand five hundred miles in an airplane to get there after playing a very tough team the week before. So where, where do you stand on this one? Uh, I'm going to put this one at another loss in pit. I'm right there with I, you on this one. I, you know, it's a, a combination of, you know, after playing the Niners and going out West, uh, you know, playing on turf, playing indoors, you know, it's, 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 it's a new surrounding, uh, I just don't, again, we're not there yet with this team to all of a sudden say they're going against a good team and the Rams could be a playoff team again. You know, tough little beginning of the set schedule. A lot of playoff and near playoff teams right off the bat. And uh, again, we're, I think this team is going to look better, a whole heck of a lot better in week four than they did in week one even. But uh, asking them to 
take a win on this one's going to be very tough. So I'm going to put this as a loss in Ben. Yeah, the beginning of the year is a trial by fire for the Giants, and I think that they're going to take a lot of lumps. Um, this one for me is loss in Penn. You know, the Rams are not nearly as scary on defense as they used to be. You know, sure, you have your Leonard Floyd and, and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and those are guys to be afraid of. And, and there's guys like Ashawn Robinson and Michael Brockers who are going to muck up plans for the run game. But there isn't a host of others on the defense to game plan around, and there's not a lot of depth either when you look at it. But where I really see this as being a problem is a, a, a tired team flying to the West Coast, you know, just playing another really good team. Um, and this is where I see the strength of the Giants coming up against weakness of the uh, of the Rams and strength of the Rams going up against the Giants' weakness. And unfortunately, stopping the run when you give up the pass, you know, that's that's the quick way to score points is throwing the ball. And, and I just don't see right now anything from the Giants' secondary that looks like they can handle – you know, Jared Goff with a strong O-line. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Andrew Whitworth is a top five left tackle in the league until he's not. I don't care if he's 90 years old. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I don't love Jared Goff, but, you know, I, I think if you put Johnny Manziel back there, you know, or, or <laughs> he looks like Warren Moon, you know, with, with all the time that he can have. That's, that was some pull of two different completely random quarterbacks right there. <laughs> it really was. Um, but, you know, throwing to Cooper Cup and, and Robert Woods and the newly acquired Van Jefferson and Tyler Higbee, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot to ask for them to control, you know, in the circumstances that they're going to be in. And I, I just don't. I just see this as one of those things where the Giants kind of hang around for a while, but the the frequency with that the Rams are going to be able to score just on big play alone and just eating up chunks of field throwing the ball is going to be too tough for them to hang the whole time. So that, that's kind of how I see that going out. And I, I also have this as a loss in pen. Yeah, let's give a little shout-out to Tyler Higby, uh, Eastlake High School zone. So good job to you. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, these are games that traditionally the Giants never win anyway, whether they're good or bad. And, again, you know, they're not winning this game either. So the question I have for you, Grump, is we are now a quarter of the way into the season. We are still in our familiar 0-4, 1-3 territory. What is the mood of the Giant fan? What's What does Joey uh, Leatherneck say, and what does the smart Giant fan say after this stretch of what we've seen for the first four games? So you, wait, are you assuming that they're what, based on the record that I predicted? So far, we're both. Are we both uh, one and three? I'm one. No, I'm I'm two and two. Okay, so let's. uh... But there's a big difference there, right? So you have winning week two and then losing weeks three and four. You know, I I think at this point, there's probably. I mean, you're assuming that they're fairly close games that they're losing, right? Yeah, I, I don't think they're. This is not last year or the year before where this team. I don't think it's again. There might be some corona rust on this team where they may not look like a firing on all pistons, but I don't think they look like an unprepared team, which we saw at times, you know, in the previous administration. So let's so let's say, you know, they're one in three. They've been competitive in all four games, but now not games they've blown, but like had a shot, but really weren't going to win them. And they're coming back from L.A. I mean, it, the heat obviously is on, will be you know, directed at Dave Gettleman, for sure, be number one. Uh, 
fair or unfair. And I think it still is kind of unfair to start harping on a GM when you're a quarter way into a season. There's nothing really he can do anymore, but, uh, you know, see the final results and retool for next year. But I mean, if we're just looking at a wins and loss standpoint, I think that there's a contingent of Giants fans who are in the dumps. But for the most part, you know, given this is a weird year with a weird off season, with a new coach, new systems, everything, I think there's a and, and I, I think everyone agrees a fairly tough start to the year. I think, you know, fans are not feeling great, but they have some level of understanding. You know, most fans, obviously, like I said, there's the down in the dumps group, but uh, you know that's just a strictly wins and loss record. I mean, the, a lot of criticism is going to be in how Joe Judge handles situations, how Daniel Jones improves, guys like Evan Ingram and, and Saquon Barkley who are big investments. Are they stepping up? Are they pulling their weight? You know, acquisitions in the Odell Beckham trade are always going to be criticized heavily. How is Zeitler doing? How is Peppers doing? You know, how is uh, Dexter Lawrence doing? You know, those things are where the gripes generally come in from from the grouch well, side of the fan base, I guess. Well, let me ask you a question. How long does it take for this fan base to kind of get over the honeymoon that we have football back? Like, in the beginning, I mean, are the, are the boo birds there immediately? Are people going to be pissed off immediately? Are they going to be right like this is a normal season there was no corona or no nothing you know if we start off zero and two this fan base is ornery and, and and pissed off and ready to crack skulls i think there's going to be this little bit of a grace period like oh thank god we're just having football again and we're just happy to see it and you know oh well but when does that end and when is people kind of snap back to their sports mentality reality and may not be life reality but when do they when's that start like you know okay enough no more of a crutch of the off season being wacky or these things it's going to be a lot longer leash but how long does that take i think this is the end of it right here four games yeah for, for a lot i mean for a lot of fans and that's it, it's not healthy? right it's not right it's it's healthy it's not fair to anybody in the building not Gettleman, like you said, a quarter of the season in on a weird off season when you know his job is pretty much over at this point. In terms of what he can do for the twenty twenty season, I mean, you know, once yeah. the season starts, you know, he can only really bring in some guys when other guys fall down and get hurt. You know, from a from a pure rational sports fans take, I I agree with you. It's not fair, but you know something, maybe in some twisted way, it would be good for the sports fan to be like, if you didn't like Gettleman before, you want him out after week four. And maybe it's something like a return to how we all feel like a normalcy thing. You know, it's kind of weird to explain, but... I I see where you're going with that. I I don't, I won't find it as endearing as you're describing. I'm not making it endearing, but it's kind (laughs) of like, where maybe some people, they just need to bitch. You're describing it the way that people talk about PBR from their college days. Like, ah, yeah, you know, it's all we had, and now I appreciate it. It's kind of looking at it. I mean, I kind of, you know, we've been bitching about things that have been so far out of the normal and out of our control. Now, I'm not saying that the general manager of our football team is in our control, but our ability to have normal reactions, whether we have normal, you know, irrational thoughts is another topic, but 
going back to your normal rational or rational thoughts may be healthy for people overall. So I, I, I wonder how fast people are going to snap back to, you know, the pro or anti Gettleman camp, how fast they are to, you know, being a Pollyanna or overly pissed off. Um, quickly. I think that might even happen for some extremists in, in preseason if there is one. I think well, because there's always people who overreact to preseason, good or bad, right? right Daniel Jones right. goes five for five or whatever on his opening drive. Obviously, you're like, wow, not bad for the kid, but you know, whatever. And then people being like, you should start week one. That's oh, they were overreacting. They're, they were fitting in for Canton after that. That yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, and, and then you know, there's other people where you know, the, the defense gives up a you know a, a drive on the opening possession for preseason game one, and people are like, here we go again with this. So yeah, I think I think some of that happens almost immediately. I think that the brain recognizes the situation it's in because it's so familiar. I think once the TV is on and football yeah. is on, the brain is conditioned to cheer and complain a way that it that it's used to doing, regardless of the stretch of time. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I hope so. I mean, not that I want to hear, you know, these dumbasses calling for people's heads for no reason, but I think we're going to kind of very quickly go back to a, it's going to be an interesting adjustment for people that haven't watched a home giant game in 30 years, having to watch a home giant game on TV. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I, I don't know if it's going to be more or less frustrating for me. You know, j- literally my only interaction at that point is going to be, you know, assuming that I'm in my home and not at a bar. Because I, I, yeah. I'm assuming bars won't be open or whatever. Yeah. Um, my only interaction is going to be you through text, my <laughs> girlfriend who doesn't want to hear it, and, and you, Twitter. And you people on Twitter. Yeah. Right. And, and that is – Twitter is this mix of toxic and somebody else saying exactly what you want to say and just being like, thank you. You know, that's that's pretty much all. There, there's not really a whole lot of in-between. There's not a whole lot of actual discussion. So I yeah. mean, I don't know if that's better or worse than being in the stands and hearing those same things and being like, I'm not even going to say it because he's screaming in my face. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, you know, also too, it's just uh, sports are, you know, for me and for you, Grump, and for a lot of you people listening, it's a very communal thing. You know, football, football more than any other sport. I mean, you go to a basketball game or you go to a, a baseball game, you kind of go, you go with the person you're with and you kind of watch and you cheer, but it's not the same. Football is, you know, it's such quick bursts of intensity, every play, every play, every play. And, you know, the crowd kind of has this collective feel, which is part of the game. And even if it's not, you know, again, cause it's every week only, it's not every day, like, baseball or three times a week like the other sports everything is so important that you go to a bar and watch it or something this is going to be a very isolated experience this year that you know we haven't had before so it'll be interesting to see how people if they come up with you know let's we'll see on twitter what it's like what people think because that's going to be a really only outlet with people is like do people have more individual unique takes on what they're seeing or is it just kind of parroting you know what everybody else says, so uh, that's something I'm interested to see as well. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be glad not to hear suck ass Philadelphians in in MetLife Stadium. You know this year. 
Which, by the way, by the way, that's your fault, Giants fans. You have the tickets. Don't sell them. Hey, hey, listen. If I have a if I have a conflict, I can't get back from Gainesville at six a.m. and you can't go to a game. Those tickets are going for sale, and you know. Hopefully there's enough hopefully there's enough of you giant fans out there who would snap them up in a moment. And in fact, if you out That's there That's what I mean. I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting it up on the buying yeah. market. Well, I, I, the problem is is that the product has been so bad that demand for tickets is very low in the secondary market. You can't and, complain about it and also be the root of the problem. <laughs> I I, I, I wasn't I was not, not you, com- not I you complaining. Yeah. yeah it, that is one of the up. common complaints that I see on Twitter is we can't even fill our own stadiums. I don't see you there. I was there. I heard it. And it's and been know, that way for five years. And it is every fan base in every city in every sport. If the product is not there, the people are not going to show up anymore. I mean, it's the ability now on the secondary market to sell your tickets right from your own home. You know, the ability to watch on a 50 inch TV with a, a perfect view uh, the overall popularity of the of these leagues and stuff, you know, you're, you're not going to have people as diehard as they used to be going to every game. And if it's shitty weather in December with a, a five and eleven team with no chance, and ninety miles away there's a fan base, you know, frothing at the mouth to get into the playoffs against a team they hate, they're, they're, they don't get the tickets. So, uh, my point for this is, if you are a giant fan who's listening to this. And if you're not, why are you listening to this? But if you are, and you want to, you know, buy tickets to games I can't go to, follow him on Twitter. <laughs> follow me at the Cranky Fan. I'll put you on a list, and I will let you know when my tickets are available. So, <laughs> um, and and I'll which may not be a problem, which may not be a problem this year, but you know, in the yeah. future. And uh, I'll I'll certainly help him. So I'm I'm also on Twitter at football underscore grump, which I'm sure you guys usually know. Um, yes. The, the the show itself has a Twitter at Just Giants Pod, and uh, which show- which which we will be more active with. By the way, we, uh, we we normally just use that to pump up the show and everything, but you know I think it's a good way to help promote this show and get more people involved with knowing the show. They may know Grump or myself, but don't know the show itself. So you're going to see us more active with that, and, and mainly responding a lot to different writers and reporters and bloggers and you know smart people and smart fans of the show too. We will be responding to the dumbasses, but just to kind of build a little more uh, profile out there. Right. And uh, the show itself, if you're just coming across this for the first time, because we're active on Twitter, the show is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google play, iHeartRadio. It's, it's everywhere. Um, so, you know, if you just subscribe to it, it's, it's totally free. It just shows up every Tuesday morning. It's in your, uh, it's in your little queue and you don't have to bother, you know, clicking on links and stuff like that. You just open up your app and listen. Yeah. And the good thing for you is there's no commercial interruptions. The bad thing for us is there's no commercial interruption. So <laughs> if you're a sponsor who wants to listen to <laughs> support to schlubs, we're, we're out there. <laughs> and also for all of you boomers who've been actually following the show on Facebook, we appreciate it. We have a Facebook page and yeah. follow us that way. You'll hear firsthand when these shows are out as well. So, 
But yeah, that's pretty much it. We're going to continue next week with our, our scheduled preview number three and then any other news that comes up. We're just going to keep going down the line until we hear anything about training camp and then we can start giving you some reports on that. And we start doing our roster predictions as they cut down from 90 to 53 men. And then, um, you know, come the regular season, the show splits up into twice a week. You know, they're real short episodes, but they are Friday morning. You'll have our our preview episode for the upcoming game. And then Monday, uh, sorry, Tuesday morning, um, you'll have our our post our post game review. Um, and then we just kind of do it twice a week that way. So yeah, it's, more to love. And to tease for next week, there is a very important decision to be made that will impact the giants roster, uh, that we will, we will be really previewing uh, next week as well. So, yep. so we'll see you then. So, uh, until then go giants. Go giants. Go giants.